What's up? It's your pal Wenchikasthodicus, and this is The Bar is Low. Every episode, we take a look at a fan fiction or a collection of fan fictions, and these can be either good, bad, or in between, but mostly, they're bad. We're back for more Pokophilia. The original plan was to make this second part of this pair of episodes more focused around OCs, and I even toyed with the idea of doing an author review. Alas, fate had other plans for me. And we'll talk about only one fic by the guy I was going to do an author review of, and today there will be both OCs and franchise characters getting in on the action. And insanely enough, there are some fics I covered in my last pair of Pokophilia episodes that I thought were abandoned, but are actually not. So we'll be revisiting those and talking about the chapters that they added since then. Today's fucked up Omita rating is a 9.5 out of 10 for bestiality, mind break, and non-con. It might be slightly more fucked up than last episode, but still something's holding me back from giving it a full 10. So without further ado, Pokophilia round four. This first fic is by the guy behind the sheep fanfic I did on the Dixar Zootopia episode. Once I read that, I knew I had to come back for some sweet, sweet pokophilia because that's what most of the rest of this guy's fics are about. I was going to do an author review on this guy, but I rely more on summary than narration on the show. And there was so much shit he had that could only be done justice via narration, so I'll only be doing this one fic. Now, this guy's from Portugal, so his English isn't the best, so props to him for writing in a second language, but I'm here to roast logic more than the grammar and whatnot, because boy howdy, some weird shit happens. This dude also chose the weirdest Pokemon to write about fucking. Like, there are some Pokemon that are obviously furry bait, but this dude be like, what if we fucked Magikarp? At that point, you ain't even a furry. I don't know what the name is for wanting to fuck a fish, but that's this guy, I suppose. So our narrator, and this is told in first person, might I add, he has a shitty job at some place called Star Dollars. He hates his life, he's broke as fuck, but one day he finds a magic harp. And apparently there are some great perks that come with having a Pokemon, such as getting 80% discounts on everything, no taxes, and an eight-figure salary. I'm sorry, what? I mean, I've played the games. That's not how it works. The narrator hasn't had time to catch a Pokemon, and that's why he's not a trainer. But if the benefits are really that good, like, why the hell would you not go for a Pokemon first thing instead of, like, having a job at all? And how does the Pokemon government afford this? Who is the Pokemon government? Apparently, his job only pays him $10 a month, and the cheapest house in the region is $1,000. I'm pretty sure that's breaking some labor laws, like form a union, my guy. They're not allowed to pay you $10 an hour where I live. And this guy works seven days a week with no holidays or vacations. Like, time for a communist revolution, I think. The trainer class gets all the glory, and they must be destroyed. So some background on this fellow, our narrator. He's always liked Pokemon since he had an affair with a family cat, Meowth, when he was 14, and the condom broke and an egg popped out of her. Well, I mean, at least they're staying true to the convention of all the breeding Pokemon laying eggs, but I'm pretty sure Meowth can't breed with a human. So that means one thing. Your cat's cheating on you. Your cat. Your cat is cheating on you. So in the present day, our humble narrator decides to take a shower with his magic harp. Not in a sexual way. Not yet, anyway. But that fucking useless fish starts putting the moves over on him by giving him a good old dick lick. And then for the first time, he sees his Magikarp's genitals, and he's like, how come you never told me that you were a girl? Like, bitch, how the fuck a 
fish gonna tell you that? So he's mad at her, but he fucks her anyway. There are two sex scenes, one in the shower and one in the morning after in bed, and I love that he gets a condom to fuck a fish with which his sperm definitely should not be compatible. And I doubt that there are common STDs between the species either, but like, always remember to have safe sex, kids. Better safe than sorry. He also does a 69 with his fish. Magikarp is not very large, so I wonder what weird contorted position he has to be in for this to work. And also, do fish have clitorises? Cause this one does. Let's talk about some phrasing briefly. My tongue barges inside her vagina. It barges inside. I start to feed off her fluids. Wow. Um, wow. Why? And then he confesses his love for her and they passionately kiss. And the next chapter, it, it, it gets even weirder because his ex comes back and so many things happen so fast. So I just have to read it. I hear noises coming out of my kitchen. I got up from bed. Magikarp was not conscious, I guess. We had sex, and I'm afraid I went too hard on her. Armed with a crowbar, I see a small silhouette. I hit it with a crowbar. Where the fuck did he get a crowbar? Surprised the invader couldn't dodge it. The invader then slices my clothes. Small portions of blood came from the not-so-deep cuts. The Pokemon then throws tiny metal objects at me. I swing the crowbar to defend myself. One of the metal objects hits the light switch. I raise the crowbar above my head when the Meowth in front of me says, Master Joey, is that you? I then looked closer. The Meowth I grew with had a cut across her face that checked out, had green eyes that also checked out. I had no thought now that it was her, Susie. I knock her out with a crowbar to the head. Now with two cuts in the front across of her head, she was tied up, her legs and paws, her head covered with a loose plastic bag. Goodbye, Susie, I said as I pushed her screaming body into her newly dig grave. When did he dig a grave? Joey, I love you. Please don't do this again. Let me have a cub with you, she said as I spilled gasoline on her body. Where did he get gasoline? Give me another chance, please, I beg you, she said as her body was set on fire. Jesus. Once I came in, Magikarp was in the kitchen. That was nothing. I just wanted to take out the trash, I said to her. After kissing Magikarp, I started to feed her some poke chow for breakfast. Then through the kitchen window smashes Susie. It had started raining. Oh, you have a new Pokemon, Magikarp. It's fine now. We can have threesome, said Susie. Before I stab her with a knife. Magikarp looked at me. She put a fin on my hand. Okay, I won't stab her anymore, I said to Magikarp. Before slicing Susie's throat. Just to be sure, I also broke Susie's neck and shoot her in the head with a shot gun I had. Where does this man get all of his weapons? Oh, he's like, I won't stab you. I'll just slice you. Yeah. After that, she was laid to rest on her grave. I got back home. Sorry about that, Magi. We won't be disturbed by her anymore, I said to Magikarp, which looked mad at me. My parents were Pokemon researchers, and they weren't Pokemon professors. They did experiments on Pokemon. One of them was presumed a failure by them, ironically, is the only one that actually worked. She was thought how to speak, do the dishes, heck, even drive. She was our maid after the immortalizing experiment failed on bringing her parents after being torched. Thunder struck the lightning rod as Susie's shadow was cast on the wall. When Joey was 14, he found me playing with myself while I cleaned his room, said Susie, with her body recovered back to its regular self, pointing at one scar on her face. She continues, then he did this, as he said back then, made Pokemon should not do that while on service. I then kissed him. I shoved one hand down his pants and stroke him. I took his virginity that night. I had his dick first than anyone else, so he is mine. Magikarp shook hands with Susie. Magikarp doesn't fucking have hands. 
and pointed at the dirty dishes. I started to board up the window. I will need to fix that, but it will take more than a month. Since there is a storm outside, I better board it up for now. Susie washed the dishes, the clothes, changed the bed. She just cleaned the house in two hours. She was good at this. Magikarp looked at her amazed. Me and Magikarp decided to take the day off and went for a walk. I didn't want her to get hurt, so I carried her on my arms. Magikarp, can I call you Marge? She nodded no. Maggie? She nodded yes. I'm sorry I didn't tell you about Susie. The thing she didn't tell is that we had an egg. Once my parents found out, they forced me to kill her. They broke the egg. I didn't have a choice. It was her dying or me running away with her. I didn't have the money. I had no choice. I didn't know what a trainer was back then. I was only 14, I said to Maggie. She rested her head on my shoulder and sighed. I whoop you no matter what, whoa she said. Once she approached for a kiss, she was kicked away. He is mine, bitch. Only mine, said Susie before forcefully kissing me. And it just ends like that. Can I just say, fucking what? Uh, so as you can see, I could not exactly handle an author review of this dude because nothing makes sense. I can't do it. Can't do it. So this next one is written comprehensibly. Man, the bar is low. Uh, and this is a tale of an OC, Val, who's the eighth gym leader of Unova and her Salamence D, spelled D-E-E, but I guess you could say that this girl wants the D. So one day this douchey guy starts hitting on her and she nearly sicks her dragon on him. This guy is not Guzma, but he seems like he is. He thinks he's just hot shit and he says like, like, you know how Guzma always says like, T-C-H. But the thing is, this dude gets Salamence all angry cause he has a thing for his trainer and Val also has a thing for her Salamence. And when she figured that out, she had to talk with her mom. And her mom was all supportive because apparently she had an affair with a mat choke and told her all about that too, to let her know that she wasn't alone in wanting to fuck Pokemon. TMI, mom. TMI. But neither D or Val know that the other one has a crush. So we out here with some mutual pining. D and Val have an interview coming up, so they've got to take a bath. And mm, mm, D just loves being cleaned by his trainer as they share a bath together. And I looked it up. Salamence is not as big as one would imagine at about five feet tall, but he's a bulky dude. Probably quite long, too. And I mean entire length, not penis length, although I'd imagine he has a big old dung or two because you just can't get away from the monster cocks in porn. So yeah, that must be a huge fucking bath, but here's an explanation to get around that. Quote, he followed her into the home. Everything about this place was large simply to accommodate his massive size. Val checked the clock and frowned. That stupid guy made us late. D, I don't have time to bathe you and then take a shower. So get in the hot springs and I'll be out in a moment. She left the room quickly going to grab bathing items. Oh yes, did I mention they have a hot springs? He's a fire breathing dragon so he doesn't really like cold water and regular tubs can't fit him. So they had an artificial hot spring put in for relaxation and also for the purpose of bathing large Pokemon, particularly D. D was astonished. Did did she mean she wouldn't be taking a bath or that she wouldn't be bathing with him? His heart and loins throbbed simultaneously and he whimpered in anticipation and worry. <laughs> His heart and loins throbbed. Also the random switch to first person. What was up with that? But Val's gonna bathe nude with him anyways because oh, fuck you. That's why. This girl is 25 and she hasn't been with anyone yet because she's interested only in her dragon daddy that she hasn't even put any moves on. And she was careful to also break her hymen just in case this day ever came, even though she thought it would never happen. So D gets a raging heart on and my man, he has so much restraint compared to like all of the Pokemon we're gonna talk about next. Good job not jumping on this girl and raping her like a wild animal in heat. 
the bar's low. And he's like real shy and embarrassed about it too. It's like almost wholesome. So Val's okay that he has a big dragon boner and they kiss. And here's another little quote. Kissing a dragon was a bit strange. He didn't exactly have lips and his mouth could swallow her head, but Dee was gentle and sweet. Thank you for bringing that up. The size difference. So she offers herself up to him and models for him naked and she hasn't had sex before so I was thinking what the hell's gonna happen but my god he just loves the sight of her nude and I quote it was then that he moved forward and shoved his head between her legs her eyes widened and she guessed before she could find what she was saying because his huge pink tongue had slid out of his mouth and caressed her sensitive flower <laughs> Oh, that ended me when I was just not expecting something that stupid to come up, and it did, and it ended me. Sensitive flower. I love it. It's terrible. And it was talking about her juices, which is also terrible, but it, oh my god, sensitive flower. I love that. So the dragon tongue can make it come, but he hasn't taken care of his dick yet. This dude does not last long in bed, or I guess the hot springs technically. He's never fucked before. He's never even come before. And I have trouble believing that a virgin dragon has any idea what it's doing. Having a huge cock does not necessarily make it more enjoyable for the person on the receiving end, by the way. It's like he's been saving up all his cum for this moment because his first ejaculation is a big one. So everyone just into that. And here's the passage that ends the fake. Val clung to his neck, hugging him and telling him about how long she wanted this for years. Years, Dee, I've been dreaming of this. His scales flushed and he looked down at her. Truly, she was the same as he, but... His heart stopped and his brain sent out the alarm. Oh, Arceus, what if he really had been too rough? He knew she was sore now, but what if he had really gone too far? Did she hate this feeling? Was he too big? Maybe he wasn't enough because he couldn't talk to her or because he was bad at kissing? He didn't know if he was actually bad at it. He just assumed because he didn't have flexible lips like she did. She cut off his frantic thoughts with a peaceful tone and loving words. Oh, you're more perfect than I ever dreamed. And then it goes on for like another few paragraphs about how much he loves her and how happy they are that they finally made love sweet sweet love so i guess this wasn't that bad actually for pocophilia you know in spite of the whole sensitive flower thing it wasn't like totally 100% porn without plot either like they actually developed the character's relationship to the point where i'm calling human dragon sex almost wholesome because that was almost wholesome weird but okay i guess I, I i get it a little bit but fuck that shit there's nothing wholesome about these next two fix both of which are ones we're revisiting from the first pair of pocophilia episodes i did the first few chapters of this fic in round one now we're doing chapters five to ten here in round four here's a summary and really it's all you need to know to get yourself all caught up. Seven psychic Pokemon being experimented on to make their powers more usable against humans escape from the labs throughout the world and like any sensible monsters capable of mind control would, they immediately set their sights on using it to brainwash and control women into depraved sexual situations. And this is a commission by the way. The author self-described as the Lord Byron of, of double anal penetration does commissions. And how fitting is it? that someone paid $690 for all 10 chapters of this to be written. This author's rate is 1.5 cents per word. Imagine, 
Imagine spending almost $700 on smut because you couldn't find something to jack it to online. We also talked about this author's Grimsley and Chantal and Grimsley's Pokemon fic in round three, but honestly, that doesn't have shit on this. Also, it's one escape Pokemon per region, so I want to know what the deal was with that. It seemed like they would have coordinated somehow, but they're all on different continents. Psychic powers, you know, they can do whatever the author wants them to do, though. And now, for the rest of this depraved mess. Chapter 5, Lorelei. I am sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. Misty and Shuppet. So Lorelei of the Canto Elite Four is just living her life like normal, but this whole time she has a Shuppet up her skirt, fucking her as she goes about her day. And she's going to go train with Misty, who just loves her, thinks she's the best trainer around. But Lorelei is being corrupted by the Shuppet, so she orders Misty to double battle a pair of trainers. And if she loses, well, those lads get to do whatever they want to her. And Misty has no idea what the fuck she just signed up for. And Lorelei is like, fine, you lost, so I'll fuck them for you. But not gonna happen again, so I'm gonna punish you. You're gonna fuck my tentacruel now, who, by the way, is also corrupted by the Shuppet. And it does not go well. <laughs> Look, I know how jellyfish reproduce, and it's not with sex. I have co-authored a jellyfish gamete AU. We were really drunk when we wrote that, which is obvious if you read it, but jellyfish shoot their loads out into the water, and the sperm will hopefully find an egg. Tentacruel doesn't fuck, but this is porn, so it does fuck, and it fucks hard. It pumps misty full of load after load and its goal was to break her. Meanwhile, Lorelei's just going after them tasty cocks because it's double blowjob time. And I feel like most dudes would be like, I don't know, bruh, getting our dicks sucked by the same woman at the same time is that a little bit gay, but these bros don't seem to have an issue with it. And once that's over with, Lorelei lips up her skirt and introduces Misty to shove it and hours worth of cum just fall out of her. Which is fucking horrifying, to be honest. Imagine being in that situation. Like, your pal who just sicked her tentacle monster on you, just being like, hey, I have a ghost in my pants, and check out all this ghost cum. And it ends with Misty and the entire Cerulean gym having been corrupted, and some random trainer comes into challenge, and he's just like, uh, excuse me, but what the fuck is going on here? As Misty desperately and immediately tries to take off his pants and she's like, it's gangbang day because everyone in that gym be fucking each other and fucking Pokemon. And that dude is like, oh, what? And she's just like, every day is gangbang day at the Cerulean gym. And it just fucking ends. Chapter six, Whitney and Hypno. After what Whitney did last episode, I'm ready for something horrible to happen to her. So... She kind of has it coming. Whitney likes to pick up unwanted eggs from the daycare center. And when she goes in on this fateful day, there's no one there but the escaped Johto experiment, a hypno, and it indeed hypnotizes her with its pendulum and just erases her mind. Unlike some of the other Pokemon in this fic, <laughs> Mr. Mime, uh, hypno is no voyeur. Oh no, he wants a blowjob from his new sex slave and Whitney has neither the desire nor the ability to deny him. I love how much this author uses the word vigor because vigorous is my favorite word, but I do not like how much they use my least favorite word, the S word, so it kind of cancels out. Then it's time for some full penetrative sex and Hypno has a dick bit on the large side, but I quote, Whitney no longer understood pain, she only understood cock. <laughs> okay, come on. 
The hymnal also promises the other Pokemon there some human pussy if they help him with his plan, but we don't get to see that, thankfully. Here's a quote that ends the chapter, and I have to admit this author can pull off unsettling pretty well. I actually think they're kind of good writer, and if I'm gonna be honest, uh, not really my thing we're reading about here, but they put the type of excruciating detail into their porn that tends to make smut higher quality, and I'd hope they'd be a good writer because they get paid for this shit. Anyhow, the quote that ends this chapter. Something was off about the new girl working at the daycare desk. She certainly seemed completely fucking out of it, her eyes hazy and her voice stilted, but through it came some kind of awkward peppiness that people rolled with, wearing an apron and a bandana with her hair a bit different. Most people didn't even think for a second about the possibility she was Goldenrod's MIA gym leader. They just rolled with it and moved on. The daycare, not a stop, people often took for long periods of time. They just wanted to get in and out. As the desk worker, Whitney took over the role of the older couple, but with a few twists. For one, when she wasn't heading up the desk, her body was stripped and naked as she retreated into the depths of the daycare area, away from the site of the road, for sloppy gangbangs and to worship her master's cock. Or it was in the back room checking in a new Pokemon by getting fucked raw. She was a vital part of Hypno's plan now, keeping a credible veneer up front that nothing was wrong in the daycare while also providing her tight, curvy human body of a Pokemon to keep them happy when she wasn't directly serving him too. The daycare made a good base of operations, a place where he could work on his plans without it being weird, a wild Pokemon was wandering about and especially to avoid capture and problems along those lines. Welcome to the daycare, sir, she said happily to the man coming in, bowing slowly as she went through the process of checking his Pokemon into the system. Ooh, a Charizard. Very exciting. Yes, sir, we will take excellent care of him. She spoke a bit too plainly for the words she was saying, but he brushed it off, paying a bit up front and leaving the Pokeball behind before he headed off again. It was a terse interaction, but Whitney didn't mind at all. It was a lot more fun that way, in fact, because she was able to take advantage of that situation to deal with what was really important to her. She finished processing Charizard into the computer and then took his Pokeball into the back room. Whitney didn't have any shorts on underneath her apron, her plump and perky butt constantly exposed. And as she let the Charizard out, she backed that butt right up against the fire type's ass, purring, I've never had a Charizard before. And with the way you're looking at me, I don't think you've ever fucked a big human ass before. So why don't you shove that big hard cock up my slutty hole right now before I introduce you to everyone else? Charizard didn't care about the stilted blank dirty talk and gave Whitney exactly what she quote-unquote wanted. Yeah, okay. I don't think I did the right voice for Whitney. I should have been like, hello, welcome to the daycare. Why don't you shove that big hard cock up my slutty hole? But that's not as fun. So chapter seven, Karina, Viola, Lucario, and Abra. The Calcium leaders, Viola and Karina, are just hanging out when Karina's two Lucario start fighting each other. There's an Abra there, and unlike the rest of these Pokemon, he isn't a fucking perv. He just wants to sleep peacefully after escaping from the lab. When it sees those two big powerful Pokemon fighting, it panics and teleports away, but the other effects of the psychic blast include everyone orgasming immediately. And God, I wish that were me. By which I mean being able to teleport away whenever I'm slightly uncomfortable and being able to orgasm. Huh. 
However, I do not wish that were me when the lust overtakes everyone there and Karina offers herself up to the Lucario and sucks they big old dicks. I'm waiting for the chapter though that, that ties this all together and reveals some perverted mastermind behind all this nonsense who experimented on the psychic types and released them into the world to use their powers for depravity. And that perverted mastermind was the author. So y'all know how Viola is a photographer. So she takes a lot of pictures of Karina fucking those Lucario. And she's also masturbating during it, naturally. That feel when your passion for photography is still stronger than a psychic fuck wave. But once Lucario come, Viola does want to get in on that. And Karina throws some random Pokeball and out comes a match amp. But she still keeps taking pictures while getting utterly pulverized by match amp and it's massive cock. Also, I gotta say, it's pretty amazing how there are no female Pokemon. So after that's over, they decide to stop being gym leaders and become porn stars and they make videos now. This is the sentence that ends the chapter. As she watched her best friend getting fucked by one Pokemon while rimming another through her camera's viewfinder, Fiona knew for certain that she had finally, truly found her passion. Oh god. <laughs> chapter 8. Elisa, Skyla, and Zebstrika. As we saw in a previous chapter that I covered on Pokophilia round one, Elisa's mind has been wiped. So now she fucks Pokemon on camera for a living and does live streams. So gym leader Skyla ain't a fan and she goes to talk her pal out of it. But Behem is there, the Pokemon that escaped, and it does some mind fucking so that Skyla's now down to fuck. And she wants in on those live sex streams. So Elisa and Skyla immediately start fucking each other, but the stream is starting in like five minutes. So they're like, okay, our loving audience, we're a couple now and this is our stream and they're gonna fuck the Zebstrika. God, this section of fic kills me a little bit. I'ma read it. She needed her Zebstrika out. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. Also, grabbing the Pokeball and sending him out, the proud horse standing at attention over the girls as they pressed in tight against one another. What do you think, Skyla? Elisa asked, reaching her hand down towards his cock, already rigid and massive, aching with excitement. He knew what was coming, but surprised by the sight of Skyla there too. Think you can handle him? I think I'm gonna take his cock whether my body can take it or not. But if a little twig like you can, then I think a thick girl like me can handle all that horse cock just fine. She followed her teasing up with a sweet little kiss, but I'll need your help for it. You will? Elisa purred, leaning to lick along the, the leathery cock and whining. What could you possibly need help with being such a thick girl? Elisa lovingly teased back. I need help to share this massive horse cock with the girl I love because I don't want to do it alone. Skyla shifted over to the other side of the horse's massive prick so she could come at it from the other side, beginning to lick along the cock and moaning loudly as she embraced the chaotic thrill of actually licking the horse cock. It was something she believed she'd always wanted, a forbidden treat and not something that disgusted and infuriated her. She was hot, needy, an overwhelmed and desperate mess of need that ached for the powerful heat and thrill that she craved. And the girl I love is you, so only you can help me here. The almost tender and loving small talk that came with both fallen disgraced gym leaders licking all over a horse's dick was something startling and bizarre to the chat. But they kind of dug it, continuing to throw on plenty of love for the girls and their fucked up pillow talk as they remained pledging their love to each other over a horse's dick rather than anything even kind of sensible. <laughs> almost wholesome. <laughs> almost wholesome dialogue. 
So yeah, they suck that horse dick together. Lisa's very good at it because she's had practice. And Skylar ain't quite got it. But she makes up for it with her utter shamelessness. And then Skylar gets tit fucked. This hoe desperate. She's just trying to lick the head of Zeebstrike's dick. Even though he'd already be fucking her. And once it comes all over her face. Oh no, that's not enough. At least it wants to drink horse come out of that pussy all night long. So they're like, you're thick right you can handle this dick inside you go for it zeep striker and elisa cleans off skyla's tits if you get what i'm saying finally the behem behind all this mess is like hey i'm out of here i'm gonna ruin some more lives now these motherfuckers be attracting too much attention gotta stay out of the spotlight chapter nine may flannery and more fucking horses more fucking horses more fucking horses if you know what i mean why are horses so popular with people who enjoy bestiality is it because they're the biggest and most likely have the biggest dicks probably so flattery takes me out to catch a ponyta but mr mime a fucking voyeuristic creep has other plans mr mime's mind control works a little differently than others instead of totally erasing their minds he just controls what goes on on the outside so internally the girls do not want any of this I don't know which is worse, be totally broken with a little hope of ever returning to your former self or to have your mind intact but your actions controlled by someone else. Here's a quote. This is how you charm a ponyta, Flannery said, not wanting to say that at all, but the words forced their way out in lieu of any confusion or frustration at the situation, which was definitely not her intention at all. All of the rubbing started to make his cock emerge, and Flannery was quick to begin caressing it and urging out more of the pony's dick which continued to ease its way out readily soon long enough for may's hand to also fit upon it the secret is to be its whore i love fire types but i also love fire types if you understand me if being a dirty slut for pokemon is what i have to do to enjoy my new ponyta then i'll do it they didn't mean to say that she shuddered with worry and disgust as it spilled from her lips but she really didn't have any way to fight against the impending pressure the sensation of something so firm and so utterly shameful she didn't know what was coming over her but she also didn't know that flattery was under that same control that same mental fog she thought something was only wrong with her completely unaware of the psychic fuckery that overwhelmed them as they both began to stroke the ponyta off together so this one's pretty similar to the last chapter you know with the horses and all flannery is just like go ahead little slut why don't you suck ponytail stick you should go first you're the amateur uh naturally this draws the attention of other ponytail and then an orgy ensues and mr mime is just sitting back there behind the scenes and jerking it like the creep he is oh but that's not all ponytail are little dudes they're like three feet tall but their evolved forms yeah there are some rapid ash in this herd and they want in and he, it's here, getting fucked by the rabbit ash, where May and Flannery break, and Mr. Mime doesn't have to control their minds anymore for them to want to fuck horses all day long. I should also mention that in this chapter and last, the girls call the Pokemon they fuck studs, and that hurts me, but like, probably not as much as getting horse cock up in your ass or your pussy would hurt. This author thinks that horses are studs, I, I guess. Chapter 10, the last chapter so far, Plumeria and Drowsy, and like all of Team Skull. Maybe you don't know it from last time, but Drowsy likes to give people sexy dreams as it molests them in their sleep, and this time it targets Team School admin Plumeria. And what she does is not really give blowjobs in this dream, but licks the Team School grunts balls. 
would someone even get pleasure from having their balls sucked? I keep having to ask this question. Uh, and you know how she refers to the team school grunts as her little bros and little sisses? So yeah, we get an incest vibes from this. All of them, like, just gather around to watch her lick balls and they all masturbate to it. And then, like, bukkake time. I suggest a first come, first serve policy for who gets their nuts licked next. Literally first come and first serve, just saying, so they don't have to all fight over her. And let's also talk about the adjectives this author puts in front of nuts, because my god. Hefty nuts. Musky nuts. Swollen nuts. Plump nuts. One day she's also just doing laundry, just walking around her shitty little Team Skull mansion. And someone just grabs her and starts fucking her from behind and she's like, okay, this is my life. And, and meanwhile, like, Guzma's there too finally getting some guzma up here and he grabs some random chick and has her eat his ass but sometimes your boy and i love that he's literally your boy in the game and the show and that's how he refers to himself sometimes your boy guzma <laughs> likes to fuck plumeria in public for everyone to see and after the blowjob i quote i've got a piss guzma said and immediately plumeria stiffened up with excitement and why the fuck would i go inside when i've got a toilet bitch right in front of me yes of course plumeria whined her head tilted back and she opened her mouth wide my mouth my face my whole body is a toilet for men to use please boss just piss on me i love knowing i'm worth something even if it's just as a urinal and then all the fucking team school grunts pee on her too and boy howdy she loves it i crave death but what's really been happening this whole time is that Plumeria is asleep and a drowsy has been molesting her, kind of in time with the dream she's been having, you know, dragging its nuts across her face as she dreams about licking nuts, shoving its dick in her mouth, and then finally pissing on her when she has her piss dream. And that's all that's been written so far. Someone paid hundreds of dollars for this to be written. So every time you think you're pathetic and your life is sad, at least you didn't pay $690 for an erotic pocophilia fanfiction. My god. So let's get to our last selection of the day. As a reminder, we covered the first six chapters of this fic in Pokophilia round two, episode 17. This is a bit like the last fic, except much worse written and with a focus on breeding. Yes, breeding. In this rendition of the Pokemon universe, Poke Girls, aka female franchise characters, are in some cases required to breed with Pokemon. And in all of these chapters, Pokemon are impregnating humans. So uh, just what you know, what we're getting into here. So without further ado, the next five chapters of this goddamn mess. Chapter 7, Dawn and Shiny Lucario. One day, Dawn's just living her life, and the next day she's getting kidnapped and raped by a Pokemon, because that's just how it be sometimes. This Lucario, however, is a Shiny Lucario, and it requires a human as a mate, because no one wants to fuck a weird colored Pokemon. And apparently, in this cave they're in, there are, like, drawings on the wall of, like, freaking furry porn of, like, human fucking Lucarios and having their babies. I should also mention that Dawn is tied up this whole time, like, on her knees and elbows, being forced to walk like a dog, so she can't really use your hands or run away either. One day, an Ursaring attacks the cave and Lucario faints taking it out, but Dawn doesn't run away because, you know, if you rape them gently, eventually they'll fall in love with you. So yeah, uh, Dawn agrees to bear its pups instead of running away and be its forever mate. There's also like a smidgen of lactation fetish. There's a smidgen of lactation fetish in most of these where the shiny Lucario drinks her milk and it's like, oh, this is what it feels like to breastfeed from a loving mother, not like the one who abandoned me because I was a shiny, huh, fuck you, mom. And Dawn births some Ryolus and she stays in the forest in her bindings forever because she loves being a doggy sex slave. What does this author think women do, honestly? Chapter 8, Misty and Gold Luck. I'm gonna read the first part of this chapter. 
because fuck you, I guess. Misty Waterflower is loved by everyone who know her. She is a great water type Pokemon trainer, a good and tough gym leader of Cerulean City, and a great friend. But what no one know, not even her own older sisters, is that she has a double life. By daytime, she is the trainer everyone know, and by nighttime, oh, Lord Golduck, please, by nighttime, she is a masochist and a sex slave for her Golduck. Missy was in the basement of her house. She was naked, blindfold, and strapped into a brooding bench with her Golduck behind her. Seeing his slave was okay. Golduck slowly inserted a fourth dildo inside her pussy. Misty moans in pain and pleasure as her inner walls were stretching with the invasion of the fourth dildo inside her pussy. How did this happen? Well, one year ago, when Missy turned 18 years old, her beloved and awkward Psyduck finally evolved into a Golduck, but the evolution made Yolducko into a rut, a very deep rut. The rut was so unbearable, Golduck had to fuck Missy without any mercy, only to relieve himself, not thinking of the consequences afterwards. But Golduck's attack did not traumatize Misty. It was the opposite. It had awakened another side of Misty, didn't know she had, and she enjoyed Golduck's huge cock ruthlessly going inside her pussy and ass. After the attack, Misty transformed the basement of her house into a dungeon where she and Golduck would have more privacy for their night activities. My lord, please, I need your cock. Golduck grabbed Misty's head and he ruthless thrusted his cock inside her mouth, going down to the red-haired woman's throat. Using his confusion move, Golduck made all the dildos inside Misty to vibrate. Misty cried out in pain as her cries were muffled by Golduck's cock inside of her mouth. Golduck fucked Misty's mouth until he released his cum inside Misty's mouth. Golduck went to his bed to sleep. Misty slept on the breeding bench with all six dildos still inside her. So wait a minute. Misty is a last name? I mean, I know that doesn't seem like the most urgent thing to talk about here, but it's the first thing I have to bring up because it is the first thing in the chapter before the sex slave stuff anyway. I love how they didn't proofread also. My god. Maybe they did and they just their English just isn't good. I don't know. How convenient that Golduck evolved, like, right when she turned 18, so it would be legal. Legal-ish. I don't know if it's legal to fuck your Pokemon in the Pokemon world. Lastly, six dildos. That's a fucking lot of dildos to put inside someone all at once. Like, are they all just small dildos? That's the only way something like that is even remotely feasible, but it's not like fanfic writers give a fuck about sexual realism. But why is Golduck really so ruthless? Because it wants a family. And Misty is down. She goes to Nurse Joy, the only one who knows about the true relationship between them. There's also this weird thing about Nurse Joy blackmailing Misty's sisters, so they actually do a good job of taking care of Cerulean Jim while Misty's out being pregnant. But also, while Misty's out being pregnant, they take her to this little hut on Route 7, and Nurse Joy has to lay down some ground rules because she's going to share Misty with Golduck. And in order for Misty to get pregnant, a ditto has to go inside of her uterus and plant eggs there. The rules in this fic are inconsistent as hell. Dawn didn't need that shit in the last chapter. Also, the uterus is not designed for sexual pleasure. I have no idea why Misty would be looking fucked silly, as they say, while something is just in her uterus. By that logic, every time, like, your baby kicks, I guess you should have an orgasm. So, as those things progress, Nurse Joy uses a milking machine on Misty, and Golda continues to be really possessive, but doesn't really mind sharing Misty's mouth with Nurse Joy. Ass and pussy, though, those are his. He didn't like Ditto all up in his bitch. 
you know, literally up in his bitch. I feel like I'm making so many bad puns this episode and I'm sorry. Once Missy bursts that little Psyduck, that's not enough. She has another year off. How does that work? How do they have any money? But she decides to keep having little poke babies until she has to go back and run her gym. Chapter nine, Lily Moon and Nihiligo. I just did a fic about Lucimina Nihiligo last Pokophilia episode, but this is a bit different. It's a bit more insane. So Lucimina has now defeated Moon and Guzma and Solgaleo are petrified due to Nihiligo poison and now they are all trapped in ultra space. You just gonna get rid of my boy Guzma like that? But Lily and Moon, they're all tied up even though they're both like 12. Oh, how convenient. Nihiligo poison can make girls' bodies mature. So now they're like physically 20. And Lucimine plans for them to be, you guessed it, breeding slaves for her sweet, sweet beasts. So Nihiligo puts some eggs up the pussies, but that's not even the kicker. The thing is that Lily passes out, wakes up again, and sees Moon giving Lucimine head. And Lily's all sad because she loves Moon and she wishes that were her. And Lucimine knows this. And she's like, hey, I'll share her if you want. Look down. You have a penis now. I have a penis too. Nihiligo poison is very convenient for porn. It can just, it can do whatever I want. So yeah, Lily fucks Moon with her brand spanking new cock. Like, she's also pregnant with eggs, though? How is she gonna give birth without a vagina? Like, that's some impreg-ass bullshit right there. Maybe she has both a penis and a vagina now? I don't know. None of this makes sense. And basically, they just stay there in ultra space for all of eternity, because guess what Nihiligo poison can also make you do? Become immortal, that's right, baby. Chapter 10, Rosa and Vespaquin, in which Rosa goes to Sinnoh, or more specifically, Eterna Forest, despite warnings of people disappearing there. And she gets kidnapped by Vespaquin, which is the reason behind all the disappearances, which traps her in a honeycomb wall. And there are a bunch of other girls there, some of whom are pregnant, including Cheryl. And Cheryl is okay with this, like most of the other girls there. Because, you know, that's what this author thinks women do, just exist for sex and breeding. Yep, that's it. And this McQueen comes up to Rosa and barfs honey down her throat because that's how bees work. This also happened in the bee drill chapter two which I talk about in Pocophilia round two. The Vespa Queen leaves eggs inside her and Cheryl's like, oh, she put 25 eggs in me, not your pussy ass 20 eggs. And Rose is like, shut up, who cares? And this one ends really stupidly. Here's the quote. Rosa was at least relieved for the eggs finally hatching and nothing was inside her. She felt lighter, but her joy was cut short. Vespaquin just lay more eggs inside her of three days after her eggs hatched. Again, her womb was filled with several eggs. Rosa was sure she had more than before. She was now part of the hive, part of Vespaquin's harem. Months after becoming Vespaquin's mate, Rosa gave up on returning to civilization. She was nothing but a living wall ornament and a living incubator for Vespaquin's eggs. Rosa was never seen by people again. My queen, please, I need more eggs inside me, Rosa begs. I want more eggs inside me. I want more babies to match. I think they meant hatch. And Vespaquin happily laid more eggs inside Rosa's body. Rosa was happy to be in Vespaquin's harem, along with Cheryl and the other girls in the hive. Are you even trying, author? You're just like, she wasn't happy to be a breeding slave. But then she was. The writing really is so bad. Chapter 11, the last chapter, Female Ash and Charizard. One day, Ash's Charizard gets rejected by a prospective mate and gets really sad. So... 
Ash offers himself up, or in this AU, herself up, as a fuck buddy. So they fuck for like three years, or however long it takes to find a Charizard, a potential mate. But when Ash finally finds a female Charizard, her Charizard rejects it, because it likes Ash more. Also, Ash is pals with Gary here, who tells her all about how Pokemon sometimes reject their own species to fuck humans. Some kinky-ass Pokemon right there. And Ash is like, oh really? But I can't even have Charizard's children. Well, we already know where that's going, because you can in this universe. You sure can. Ash has a talk with Charizard about wanting children, which is, it's very one-sided, because Charizard can't talk or even communicate telepathically like some of the other Pokemon from this fic. They do the ditto egg implantation thing again, then Ash and Charizard, they just have a go at it, and Ash gets pregnant. And you gotta love that little touch of lactation. Quote, needless to say, Charizard loved Ash's milk. Needless to say, fucking kill me. <laughs> So Ash births a little Charmander, and when it grows up, goes off to find a mate of its own. Ash is like, hey, how about another kid? And that's how it ends. What does this author think women do? So that's all I got right now. And maybe I'll come back in another fucking 50 episodes to do more Pokophilia, but that's enough for me right now. I just did two of these back to back. And if you liked this, go ahead and check out the first two at your own risk, of course. Round two is even more fucked up than these ones. So today we covered A Magikarp Journey by Pokemans, D the Salamence by Aurielum, A-U-R-I-E-L-U-M, Mind Control Dolls, chapters 5 through 10 by Nidoran Duran, and Breeder, chapters 7 through 11 by Blue underscore Valkyrie 02. The Barslow is on Instagram. You can find us at the Barslow with an underscore in between each word. Follow us. You know what's coming up next. If you have a fic to suggest, feel free to get in contact with me. And if you want to drop a rating or review on iTunes, that'd be real cool. I'm not going to beg you for five stars. Give me however many damn stars you think I deserve. And as always, I'm your pal, Wenchikistoticus. This is the Barslow. Thank you for joining me. And that's all for today.